Welcome to the Pretty and Purpose Podcast, where we remind you that your pretty is beyond what the eyes can see, and your purpose is your ultimate destiny. We must fix each other's crowns because sometimes, girl, they be raggedy. (laughs) This is Celeste, Maya, and this is Jess. Welcome back, Posse. Hey, Posse. So last week, we talked about what's in your cup. And speaking of cup, I'm thirsty. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, what? I am thirsty. Well, but make anyway. sure you fill your cup with the right thing. I'm going to fill it with water. You know, I need yeah. to hydrate. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so what has been poured into you all? Or what have you been pouring out this past week? So I have been pouring in um, organization, I guess you can call it. Or structure maybe goals that's what i've been pouring in myself goals so every morning i've been telling myself okay here's what i need to accomplish today that's step one because i don't always accomplish all of those goals but at least i set them i think that's a good step one and then eventually i will be able to actually accomplish those goals throughout the day so that's that's what i've been pouring into myself I feel like I've been pouring more in spiritually and reading, getting back to reading some of my Bible plans that I started that I didn't finish. Mm -hmm. So that feels good. Yeah. That's, that's awful, but I do the same thing. I always start Bible plans and I'll get like two days in and I'll be like, "Eh, I'm over this plan. Let me start another one. (laughs) And the thing is, I like the plans, but I just am not consistent in reading them. And that's what I've been doing, like I said, goals. So like in the morning, I will um, like put my AirPod in while my son is still asleep because nine times out of 10, he ends up in the bed. So um, I can't just jump up and do whatever. So I'll put like my AirPod in and listen to something. So that's what I've been doing. Yeah, I say I have to start doing more of that reading, listen to, you know, things that edify the spirit. Edification. Edification. All right, y'all, so we are going to start off as we start off every podcast with our royal moment. And our royal moment is a time where we salute some amazing queens doing some extraordinary things. But this week, we are also going to tie it in with our sis second. And our sis second is when we fix some of those raggedy. Raggedy. crowns that we see around the town so um i was looking on instagram and i came across a post from kev on stage um about a parent and a teacher and their uh text strand their conversation so pretty much the parents started off by saying you know calling out the teacher and said let me start off by saying that I'm disgusted at the school system. Working parents shouldn't have to be teachers. That That's why I all, hold on, be teachers. That that why you all get paid. Maybe Shaney, whatever, the grammar. Okay. I, I did. And that's why teachers are needed right there. <laughs> I get home and see my child is failing. That is ridiculous. It's your job to make sure they understand how to beat is she failing every course except math and science. Please explain before I go higher up in the chain. So then the mom, um, hold on, she kindly responds. Good afternoon. I am 
I am so sorry that you are. I'm sorry. The the teacher responded. Okay, I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> I am so sorry that you are unsatisfied with the school system. This time is difficult for all of for us all. As stated, I am your child's teacher. Much like I would not have the ability to physically drive your child to school, I do not have the ability to wake your child up and put them on the computer. My role, as you stated, is to teach. Your role is to have your child ready to learn in a safe, quiet environment with supplies. On multiple occasions, I have called Dojo Message, which is like a message that the school system uses, text and even come to your home because we had not been able to contact you or even lay eyes on your child for orientation. I understand your frustration. Please understand mine. She has not attended one meeting. She received a 65 in math and science off the principle of grace because I do believe she has the ability to do better than that. Her reading and social studies grades are handled by another teacher. I cannot speak for her. Okay, so the messages go on and on and on. And the teacher gets the royal moment for keeping her decorum, right? Like she never goes off on this parent who came at her incorrectly from the beginning saying like, oh, my child is failing and this is your fault. No, ma'am. No. But the second piece is the mom gets to sit second for one, how she came. And then as the conversation continues, so the mom says, and by the way, don't text my husband about my child. Mm -hmm. And it goes on and on about that. And the teacher's like, wait a minute, your husband is down as a contact and none of our conversations have been inappropriate. Right. So is, is the husband, not the father of the child girl, because as, as far as the messages appear, it shouldn't have been an issue with them contacting the, the father or the, the man, whatever the, mm. the mother is all totally off, totally wrong in this situation. Like miss, I understand it's stressful. Like you probably has to have to still go into work physically. So it's difficult for you to have your child, you know, doing school from home. This is not what we are used to at all by far. I get it. But ma'am, it's your responsibility to have your child up and ready and appropriate to get on that um, Zoom call for class. It's your responsibility to make sure your child is accountable and getting their work done, et cetera. I can go on and on. Like, how dare you? And like she's like the teacher said, like, this is difficult for them as well. Exactly. Mm -hmm. No one knows how to do this. Like, this is not how our system was set up. So, exactly. ma'am. It's uncharted territory for everybody. And for you to, like, yes, there's a lot of responsibility on the parents. Um, But that's not the teacher's fault. Like, right. It it's not the teacher's it fault is. at all. <laughs> it is what it is. So um, I was just disgusted, you know, by that. That, like, one, you coming at her because your child is failing. What are you doing at home to help her? Even if we were in regular school, when the child comes home and needs to do homework and things like that, parents need to be there to help correct it's no it's no difference so I, I i saw those messages and i was i was disgusted by the the mother but i i definitely think the teacher did an excellent job in responding because that's definitely not what i would have said <laughs> <laughs> i definitely would have went up one side and down the other like miss let me be extremely clear here but the end of the message was really nice. She said, you know, how about you come in and we meet with the administration? Yes. Let's sit down and have a conversation because clearly you, you're not, you, you're not on the same page here. Like you're not understanding your roles and responsibilities as a parent and you're not understanding my roles and responsibility as a teacher. So let's have a conversation, sis. 
And it also sounds like the mother may have some misplaced anger. Like maybe she's upset oh. that she has to actually go into work. Like whatever your issue is. She clearly has issues in her, whether it's a marriage or a relationship or just a co-parenting thing. She clearly has some issues there too because right. she's scared that the teacher out to get her man Exactly. And none of that even the That's case. That's what it is. Boom. Exactly. <laughs> like, baby girl, are you serious? Baby, you serious. know, and as women, you know, we can't be that insecure in our relationships. And if you are that insecure or if your man has made you feel no longer secure in the relationship, don't take it out on the teacher. That's something that you two have to work right. out. Right. <laughs> like, wow. That was a good one, Maya. I, I did um, see that. And I just quickly, like, turn my nose up and scroll because <laughs> people are just off base yes indeedy um all right y'all so if you haven't seen it um kev on stage on instagram has the whole um conversation it's pretty interesting all right so what are we talking about today so last week uh, we kind of got into it um so we wanted to just continue this week talking about generational curses um so those things that were unknowingly passed down from generation to generation that kind of still exist in us today I was doing some research and generational curses like that whole phenomenon is deep looking at it from a spiritual lens looking at it from um just a natural lens like it's pretty deep it's pretty deep so we're going to start off with Jess. Jess, take us on a journey about generational curses. On today's segment of Where is Jess P? I know last week we talked about who's filling your cup. And one person that fills my cup on a biweekly basis is my therapist, who helped me to realize that I have been dealing with generational curses that I had no idea that I was dealing with. Um, For instance, and I'm not sure if I actually mentioned it on the podcast, but I know I mentioned it to you guys about my fear of old Black men. (laughs) So I I don't know if I said that on here, but I have this fear where I just think that they're all perverted and like it scares me, it makes me angry, but Apparently, that is a learned behavior because nothing ever happened to me. So it's a learned behavior that was passed down through generations in my family of somebody else who was harmed by an older Black man. So here I am acting in certain ways that I've learned to act because That was the defense mechanism that that person had to use in order to cope. And would you say, Jess, that is something like, for example, um, if you're in a grocery store and whoever the person who may have been harmed or also learned that behavior, would they say like, oh, no, no, stay over here. Don't go near that guy over there. Or like, how would you say you learned it? Or would you say it was almost like subconsciously where it was just like, almost like on a cellular level passed down? So I think I think it's a little of both, actually. Um, number one, a learned behavior because that person acts the same way because 
that's what like maybe is still traumatic for that person. And so they still have these ways about them. So me being a child, I see them and I'm like, oh, that's how I'm supposed to act. Like for instance, um, I think my tag was sticking out the back of my shirt and uh, an older black male went to tuck my tag and the person like, don't touch her. What are you doing? Like, it's just my tag. (laughs) Um, Like instances like that. And so because I'm young, I'm growing up and I see, oh, this is the reaction. Like maybe I'm not supposed to allow that to happen. So, oh, don't touch me. Like, oh, don't get too close. And so now I, I think I had a meeting one time at my previous job and a gentleman, a, an older gentleman sat beside me and he was putting his hand in his pocket and I felt like he was trying to touch me. So I, I felt uncomfortable. And so I kept like moving over and moving over. And then it just made me angry because I'm like, why are you this way? Right. <laughs> why do I have to deal with this? Right. And it's not fair because like you there could be a, you know, an opportunity that someone might want to present to you or someone might be approaching you for something that could take you to another level, you know, in any way, you know, in your career, in your spiritual life, in your physical life, like whatever it is. And you might be blocking yourself from a potential opportunity because of this fear that you've been sort of, that's been like ingrained in you. And that has actually happened where, I think at the time I wanted to um, teach online classes and a professor came to me, older black guy. He was like, oh, I really want to help you. But my immediate reaction was, I don't trust you. I don't want to be around you. And he might have actually helped me. But because of this learned behavior, I'm like, nope, you can't help me. We shouldn't even be interacting. (laughs) You know, what? I think, you know, it's. I was thinking about that recently, not necessarily with generational curses, but how society is built up where like, if there is a male and um, a young person or older guy, like it's automatically a negative stereotype that has been ingrained because of, you know, molestation and all of that type of stuff. And it's like, it's sad that that is like the first thing that comes to mind. Like, well, what if he does something? What if he's a pedophile? What if he touches? What, you know, instead of thinking like, oh, maybe this is a good guy, you know, we automatically start thinking about those negative things. And I mean, it's the reality, right? Like that we have to think that those things are possible, but it's just said that, you know, men and women alike with good intentions, like that, that has to always be kind of like the go-to in our brain. When they say bad apple spoils the bunch, that's like legit, like- just because one person may have had a negative experience or whatever, it really puts this, like puts everyone under the same umbrella. Agreed. Yeah, it puts that unfortunate atmosphere, yeah. I agree. And Maya, you said something that I wanted to speak on, but I don't remember. Oh, oh, so how like you can't ever see a younger, like a younger woman with an older man. Like if I walked side by side with my grandfather, is automatically assume, oh, that must be her sugar daddy. And I think it's because like molestation was so prevalent in older generations. And so now like it's ingrained in our minds to automatically think that way, which is not the case all the time. And I understand like we need to be cautious and protect ourselves, but that's not always the case. Um, another thing with my cup filler, <laughs> I have learned 
that it's not easy when you're the first person to break your generational curses. And so that's something that I talk to him about every time we meet. I'm like, I always feel like the sacrificial lamb. I feel like I have so many challenges and it's a challenge for me and I get frustrated and I get impatient and I'm like, you know what? I just want to give up. And the thing that he said to me was, it's not easy being first. You're always, whenever you're first to do something, it's always going to be a challenge and you're, you're fighting for your entire legacy. You're fighting for your entire family. So if you don't, you know, it out pretty much you will impact everybody who comes after you yeah that's that's deep because I feel like I had that same a similar experience back when I was going to therapy a few years ago and a lot of it was revealed to me I didn't even realize kind of what you're experiencing just like I didn't even realize some of this was like not even me it was the generations before me that like put these characteristics or behaviors in me and but it, you know I feel like it just it's important to take responsibility for your own actions. Like I had approached my dad at the time um, about some just behaviors that previous generations passed along, um, you know, down the line. And he pretty much told me like, you know, it's your responsibility to control your own behavior. You can't, you also, you can't really blame anyone else, right? You either choose to, you know, be negative or you choose not to, it's a choice. So it does feel like an internal battle sometimes because I feel like it's like you got, I don't want to say a devil and an angel, but it's like you have one version of you on this side, one on your other shoulder. And it's like you're fighting, you're having this internal battle about how to, you know, deal with a situation or whatever. But um, I've ever since that conversation with my father, I just, you know, said, you know what, it's my it's my responsibility to make the right decisions and to carry myself in a certain way. If I don't want to be like this, then just don't be like that. Be better or be more positive or whatever the characteristic is. Just be that. I certainly agree. And I just want to, I just want to provide clarity when I'm finding these things out, I'm not going back to the people like I do this because of you. No. So for me, it's more so like an epiphany, like, oh, I never realized why I made those choices or why I act that way. Or yeah, I why did I do these things? Definitely went on a blame, like, uh, what's it called? Like a blame trip or whatever. I, I, uh-huh. I, I definitely admit that I went on a blame trip because I felt like this is your fault and your fault and your fault, not mine. And when one of the situations I brought to my dad, he was like, hold up, sis. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and rightfully so, you know, of course, at at the time I was like, that's not fair. Like, it is your fault or your whatever, your lineage fault or whatever you want to call it. But once he gave me the kind of that reality check, I said, you know what? I can't blame everyone else. I have to acknowledge what's going on, acknowledge the patterns that have been passed down and either choose to be different or or just or continue with the with the curse if you want to call it you know <laughs> it's choice and that's but that's true Celeste that's I think a natural reaction people can either go on to that whole blame thing well this is me because this is you know what was put into me it's nothing I can do about it or you can say I want to stop it 
but I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in my segment. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the other piece of that though, is I didn't go on a blame game, but I realized it, it helps me to normalize or humanize the people in my family. Like they are human. They make choices just like I make choices. And it's unfortunate that some negative things have happened to them. And these are the ways that they have decided to cope with those things. And they just didn't know any better in some instances. And so those patterns of learned behavior were just passed down. Like, I don't blame them. Like, I more so empathize with them. Like, oh, I'm sorry you had to go through that. Yeah. But I'm also, sorry, Celeste, I'm also solution-oriented. So for me, it's like, oh, recognizing that it happened, recognizing that this isn't necessarily the right things to do. And now I have the ability to change those things so that nobody else will start acting like that or have to have those thoughts or anything like that. All we can do is make better choices as humans. And remember that we're all humans. So we all have failings. Right. So Celeste, what are some CB secrets to tackle these generational curses? All right. So in today's segment of CB secrets, um, I want to, I don't want to call it a curse. So I just want to talk about generational habits. So um, I'm going to talk about three things. So the first thing is some of the habits that we learn as far as what we eat, our diet. So when I was younger, we always ate, you know, we ate pork, red meat. We ate the usual, you know, the usual foods that most people eat. But um, it was around probably, I would say probably around when I was like 10 or so, my mom actually made the decision to change the way we ate. So instead of continuing down this unhealthy pathway, where, you know, we have high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, heart problems, you know, all of the above <laughs> in, our, in our genetics, my mom made the decision to say, you know what, it, we need to make a change. Um, you know, we all need to lose weight. We all need to eat healthier. So what, what can I do as the, you know, as the mother of the household, the one who grocery shops and provides meal, meals? Um, so she actually made the change and we cut out red meat. Um, I think we ate pork on occasion, um, but not too much. So we really ate like chicken, fish, turkey, kind of those lean proteins that, um, you know, people recommend eating when you're trying to lose weight. We switched over to like brown rice, whole wheat bread, all of that. So I'm like, my habits are as such. I don't eat a lot of red meat. I do now some because my husband eats it, but like whole grains and whole wheat bread, all that kind of stuff. That's what I'm used to. Like, I don't even want white bread. I don't even want white rice. Like, it's just, it's now a part of my habits um, that I eat just a little, you know, I make better decisions. So listening to your story, it sounds like everything starts with a decision. Like your mom recognized we need to make changes here. So yeah. I guess like the solution here to breaking the general cur or generational or habits um, is to acknowledge what's going on and make that choice. Exactly. So like, for example, in my household, it's hard to change someone else who is an adult. You know, you can influence a child, but it's hard to change an adult who's had their own upbringing and their own habits passed on to them. So I try to accommodate my husband's, you know, 
dietary preferences. But for my son, I try to, um, you know, give him healthier foods and, um, and, and fruits and vegetables and all that good stuff and also better quality foods. So instead of going to, and no shade to anybody who might shop at certain grocery stores, but person for me personally, instead of going to like shop right, for example, for produce, I, I prefer the, the grocery store that I go to the most. I knew it. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's right I know it was about to be all shade. <laughs> it doesn't matter what grocery store cancel all of that. I, pre- I just prefer to, it, and it costs more money, right? Like it's a decision, it's a choice. So I choose to go to grocery stores that have better quality produce, especially. And then, you know, thinking about different kinds of meats, like I'm not saying you have to eat, you know, grass fed cows and cage free chicken eggs and all that good stuff, but it's just a decision. You know, it's an opportunity for us to say, okay, you know, we can select better quality foods um, and put better quality things in our body. Um, so no shade to the grocery stores, y'all. Sorry. All shade. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a choice. And, you know, if you, and it's a financial decision as well. Like, it's not just like, oh, I I don't care about eating better food. No, it's a financial decision too. Oh, so. absolutely. Because it costs so much to eat healthy. It does. It's easy so, to go pick up some chips, 99 cents. They be on sale at the door. Yes. So that's what I mean. It's, it's a decision. So maybe instead of me, you know, buying a pair of shoes or a shirt I want, I make a decision to buy better quality food. And that's just a trade-off I have to make and, and if I'm not able to afford all of that. Um, the second thing I want to talk about is exercise habits. So again, back when my mom made the, the the shift in our diet and our food choices, she also started to incorporate exercise because pre- prior to that, she like growing up, I don't remember her really exercising a lot, my father either. But once she made that decision, we all we we would go on walks. Um, we would do a lot of activities, and still to this day, my mom actually still runs marathons um, at sixty something years old. So she really makes it. Yes, like sometimes I'm like, Ma, can you please sit down? <laughs> um, it, we always played sports growing up, but it wasn't always like it was sports was more for fun, right? It wasn't really for like health reasons or weight loss or anything because I wasn't the you know, most petite girl on the black. Um, but just incorporating more exercise routines and rituals and, you know, take your kids or your nephews or whoever, the next generation, take them on walks and whatever um, exercise that you can incorporate just to show them like, it's, you know, it's okay to go outside. It's okay to go on a walk or a hike. I went on a hike a few weeks ago, um, just to get that experience and, um, you know, show them the importance of exercising. The last thing is some sort of spiritual connection to a higher power or yourself or whatever you want to call it, either through prayer um, or meditation, whatever works for you. Just having that spiritual habit um, you know, not everyone was raised either in a, uh, you know, a religious household, but, um, prayer works for some people and meditation works for other people. So just having that connection to self, to higher power, I think is so important. And, you know, creating that, like I said, creating that habit is, I think, something good to incorporate as well. Amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that's all I have. Maya. Now it is time for Maya's motivational moment. 
it's up to us to break generational curses. When they say it runs in the family, you tell them this is where it runs out. Now, I didn't come up with this one. This is one that I saw, but I thought that it would be perfect. Um, because there are some things that are in us that legit need to run out. Whether or not it was passed down from generation or it started with us because we didn't start some habits or picked up some habits that we then passed down. But it's a choice whether we're, we're going to stop the cycle or continue the cycle. Like Celeste, what you were saying, you know, your mother made a choice to change those eating habits in your family. You are making a choice to change your son's eating habits, right? Because now he lives in a household with two parents who may have two different views on eating, right? And so as an adult, he can then choose, oh, I'm going to go with what dad did or what mom did, or I'm going to, you know, just do my own thing. So I think it's so important that people understand that these cycles, whether we stay in them or whether we break them, um, is a choice. Yeah, so I think knowledge, you know, knowledge is always, well, you know, it's a saying knowledge is power, right? But it's actually what you do with that knowledge, what you do with that information. So while my son might see two different potential eating habits, if he understands the importance of eating this way and the potential negative effects of eating that way, at least he has the information to make those decisions. Right, exactly, exactly. So it can be debated whether or not um, families like inherit these spiritual curses. Like some people don't think so. Some people think, you know, it does happen when I was looking at my research. However, it is obvious, like this cannot be contested that patterns of sin or wrongdoing or whatever are passed down through family. So just, just think about, um, things that we consider that are wrong or sinful, um, that you see prevalent in certain families. So just, um, maybe let's take drinking, for example, right? Some people may think that drinking is wrong, but you'll hear people say like, oh, my father was a heavy drinker or my parents are heavy drinkers, right? Sometimes that either they continue that cycle of drinking because that's what they see. Or sometimes it's like, no, I saw what drinking did to them. So I'm like, I'm not, you know, going to drink. And that's one thing for me, like I'm, I don't drink. And so a lot of people are like, oh, why don't you drink? Oh, you haven't tasted the right thing or in my family, it just wasn't a thing. Like in my immediate family, right? So in my extended family, yes. But like in my immediate family, my mother, my father, my grandparents, like those people that I grew up with, none of them drink. And because I think of what they instilled in me is definitely why I pass it down. But to me, that's a positive trait, right? Um, but again, like, there may be certain things that they pass that like eating habits, for example, like my family is not health conscious when it comes to eating. Right. So I've made decisions now as an adult to say, yeah, no, maybe I don't want to eat scrapple. Like maybe that's probably not right. Like <laughs> they should have made that decision too. Cause scrapple is trash. <laughs> <laughs> like my mother eats chitlins and I'm not doing that. Right. But when I was younger, anything I would ask my mom like do you think I'll like it like she had to taste test everything before I would eat it I was such a picky eater now I feel like I'm way more open-minded in eating than she is and I'm like ma just taste it mm -mm, no that look nasty <laughs> oh no this shouldn't be on this so this shouldn't be on that right but I feel like I'm like nah you know with my children I'm gonna be like you know explore this taste this right. so 
but also it's not like I said habits or traditions generational traditions like there I think like um New Year's there's the black eyed peas and the whatever mm-hmm. tradition like chitlins is a a generational tradition like I'm no shade to anybody who eats it but it's it's something that was passed down and and I've never personally had that my family didn't eat that but it's something that's just a part of a tradition a family tradition so like that and scrapple yeah, scrapple. You you hit the nail on the head because that was my next point about tradition. You know, some things are traditional, so not even just uh, when it comes to food, right? Because um, people pass down recipes like that is something that's important in the family, right? And you want to keep that tradition going. But then there are some traditions in families where you do certain things, and it's like, wait a minute, why are we doing this? you don't know (laughs) there's no reason there's no rhyme and so it's like well wait where was the foundation of this ritual like what did great 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 grandma believe in that this ritual even came to pass and it's like well wait a minute i don't believe in that you know so so maybe let's let's switch it up or it's not 18 it's not the 18 it's not relevant to the time have progressed correct exactly like we know and not to get too deep but we know why our ancestors ate chitlins we know why our ancestors ate pig feet we get and scrapple the scraps because that's all they had left <laughs> right we understand the the history but i feel like and this is just my personal opinion it's 2020 so we no longer are forced to eat the leftovers or the scraps yes. so we yes. now have the opportunity fortunately we have the opportunity to make different to make actually to make a decision because back then we know our ancestors couldn't even make a decision right. so i think that's that's powerful too and it's it's okay to respect the history it's totally not a you know we definitely want to respect our history and and how we got here but i do think it's important to say okay well we i'm you know i'm thankful we no longer have to eat that we can now eat this instead right and I also think that we're a generation that asks questions back then it was do as you're told we are not that generation we're like okay so why are we doing this and where did it come from and why do I have to do this again (laughs) and and that and that's true like that that is so true and we can we can talk a lot about how you know culture shapes us and um just uh our gender identity like all of all of those different things kind of shape us into who we are like the time that we're growing um yeah that we're growing in so like we do ask more questions there's more things that our fingertips more knowledge but at the end of the day our family is our foundation like that is why we are who we are today because of how we grew up what was poured into us what resources we had right um because not everybody had a computer at home to be able to look up things or to be able to get information not everybody had access to the grocery stores that we may have access to some people live in food deserts right so when you grew up your community that that's your foundation and then how you then progress as an adult it's up to you that's your choice so all in all, I think, you know, it's important to understand your family. It's important to understand the history and what has been passed down to you from, you know, just generation to generation, whether it's 
your eating habits, whether it's things that happen subconsciously, like the way that you react to people. Um, because sometimes you really may not know, like, Yo, why am I this way? And you may have to talk to a parent, a grandparent to say, listen, did something happen to me or somebody else? Like, you know, for, for greater understanding and then just make a choice, you know, am I going to continue this or am I going to break it? Because it's, it's literally a matter of choice. We have the tools. Um, it's just, are we going to put them to use? Um, and Maya, because you said talk to a grandparent, I just want to throw it out there to our listeners that if they do decide to talk to people within the family, not that it's going to happen to you, but be prepared for them not to be receptive because some people don't like to deal with their truth. True. So even when you start asking questions, they might be like, okay, so why are you asking me this? And like, you might not be met with the most positive reaction. So just be prepared. <laughs> That, that, is, that is true, Jess, that people may have um, some pushback. All right. So now it is time for Ask PNP. If you would like to ask us a question to be featured on the podcast, you can send us an email to pretty, the letter N, purpose, duh, at gmail.com. You can slide in our DMs on Instagram at pretty underscore the letter N underscore purpose, duh. On Facebook, we are Pretty and Purpose Podcast, and we would love to hear from you. That was new. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what question do we have today? All right, so y'all, it is election day. And I guess my question is, what anxiety, if any, do you have built around this? Like, how are you, how are you feeling? I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm anxious. Like, I really just want to see, I, like, this whole process has been a journey. Like, it's good to see a Black woman potentially being in office. Um, I do feel like there's going to be some type of rig, like, y'all's president might get sick or something and be like oh we can't have an elect they can't take over because uh, we need to extend the term or something like I feel like there's going to be some type of controversy some type of drama uh so that he will have to stay in office I'm so unbothered I'm so unbothered. I feel like, and you know, I've worked for the federal government. So this, you know, every election is always like a big deal at my job because and it doesn't matter which party, the rules always change. Mm. We're, you know, we might be headed, I don't want to say left or right because then that in, insinuates political party, but we <laughs> might be going up and then the next ones come in and we go down and then we go up and then we go down. So I'm used to the ups and downs and the back and forths of, of, you know, of an election or a shift in, what's the word? Of party or whatever you want to call it. Transition. Transition of party. In my personal life, honestly, a lot of things, I, I don't feel like a lot of things trickle, actually end up trickling down into my personal life. Of course, the tax rates, things like that, definitely affect my personal life. But some of the policies that get put in place, I never really feel like I... They have personal impact on yeah. you. Yeah. And so for me personally, I don't get too political I, because I feel like, okay, so these people want to do this. 
pay really doesn't affect me. So not to be selfish because it does affect other people and we are all connected. So if it affects the lower class, it's still going to affect me. But I try to just stay like focused on, okay, how is this going to affect your lifestyle? How is this going to affect your household? If it doesn't, I really don't let a lot of it bother me, if that makes sense. Got you. Got you. So the other portion of my, I I know you're about to go, Maya, but the other portion of me being nervous is the fact that like the whole mail-in ballot situation. So like I requested my mail-in ballot and then I'm like, okay, why am I not getting it in the mail? I feel like I got it like after early voting started is when I got it. And by then I feel like if I dropped it in the mail, it wasn't going to get there in time. So I drove my ballot all the way down to upper marlboro from baltimore (laughs) just to put it in a drop box because i feel like there's going to be some type of controversy with the mail-in ballots or something like that (laughs) most certainly going to be some challenges right because we've never everything about this election is out of the norm the number of mail-in ballots because of the pandemic but also the amount of people who are doing early voting probably because of the pandemic as well. So there's there's nothing normal about this election. Um, so I do think this is going to be, you know, just, just totally out of the box. And not to, again, not to get too deep, but we actually watched a documentary on Netflix, The Social Dilemma. Highly recommended, everyone. Highly recommended. Because <laughs> we are in this social media um, generation, it's very interesting um, documentary, but it talked about how we know there are outside powers that are influencing our everything, like everything we do, especially our political, the political realm. So it's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting, but looking at the projections, um, you know, in the polls and all that good stuff, um, I think it's already pretty much, I don't think there's a lot to worry about. Um, based on the projections right now, depending upon your which party you're looking for, right. <laughs> right? And when I was talking to my mother about it, though, her her thing was um, the I guess the backlash if you know Trump doesn't win, like what's going to happen? People going to start acting crazier than they acting now, like you know, j- just people their reaction to this whole election like you know because it's it's wild out here 2020 has been something to behold so you never know most definitely i'm just trying to make it to 2021 (laughs) like let's just survive the new year (laughs) and see what the future has in store like i feel like everybody's gonna be celebrating on new year's eve when it hits 2021 it's like hey 2020 is finally gone (laughs) until next time folks thanks Thanks, pmp posse